Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Scientific Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Lucas Berry, joined by the one, the only, the groom-to-be, Mr. Darren Shrewsbury Jr. And I don't know about you, Darren, but that's a phrase I don't hear a whole lot of, groom-to-be. You always hear bride-to-be. You don't hear a groom-to-be on that. Have you heard that besides from me just now? Not that I can recall, nope. Is that even a phrase? That's that's coined a new phrase? I feel like it probably is, but it's it's normally always... I feel like whenever people think of weddings, they always think of the, of the bride first. True. Just perfectly N- fair. No disrespect to Liz, but I've known you longer. <laughs> so, and it was because of you that I'm going, I'm invited to, and I'm going to this wedding. So I, I got a reason to think of you first. So <laughs> no disrespect to the bride, but I, I'm, I'm team groom here. Anyway, let's start out with a, story that broke earlier this week and I don't want to say I was surprised but at the same time I was I was kind of like well I remember hearing rumors of this but I also was kind of like oh my god they actually did it the Patriots signed Ezekiel Elliott one year six million dollars he wear number 15 and that's gonna take some getting used to mm-hmm. see him at a Patriots jersey and a running back wearing 15 but uh what, what do we think of this because I it, it, it kind of caught me off guard, but at the same time, like I said, I remembered hearing bits and pieces about this, so I guess I kind of like, well, okay, they might, and I thought they moved on, and then they didn't. So what am I to make of this? Well, I, I think my, one of my, well, rather, the our IT guy the other day was making a, a decent point, and he, he said that, because, so Dalvin, the Dalvin Cook signing didn't get announced until right after that, right? Right. So he he had the thought that the like the paid the Jets were both in on either one of them. And it really depended on who signed with one, the other team would get the other and just say would like the end. Like they were both teams were intent on signing somebody. Um and the and he um so so my my thought is one, I'm fine with it. I think one year six million, I think that's a perfectly fine way to go. Um, again, I also didn't expect it to even like happen. Based on what we had seen, we didn't really like. From what I had seen, it was basically there's there's no rush to get something done. Is pretty much what all the 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 thing said after the 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 visitation, and uh, for pretty much both guys, <laughs> and. The the thing I think about is you're getting you're getting him off uh, pretty much off of de- dealing with some injuries and off one of his if not the least productive season of his career, um, but that's kind of hard to overcome when you've got in a ridiculously productive guy behind you in Tony Pollard. So I think him and uh, he, having him uh, the combination of him and Ramondre Stevenson in the backfield is is going to it's going to be an elevation honestly because we know Zeke can can catch and if he's near full strength then that will be a powerful one-two punch because we know what Stevenson can do and we know what the rest of our well most of the rest of the remaining running back core that they'll have is at least somewhat capable of. Um, 
So I think that's an, it's just a nice rounding out of the running back core, especially after they cut the guy from uh, uh was Jacksonville that that had come over. Oh in yeah, the off season. What was his name? Uh, uh... man. <laughs> All I know is we were like, ah, okay, cool, we'll take him. Yeah, I don't remember. Then, okay, it. bye. He's like, not as really, okay. See you later. Exactly. So I, I I'm. I think it'll be nice. And it's also just slightly hilarious, no, and no matter what, because only a couple of years ago, I had bought a Zeke Josie for my stepdad. So now I get to kind of laugh at him a little. Is he going to be there? <laughs> Is he going to be there on Saturday? Yeah. For the love of God, if you get a chance, bring it up. And I want this. I, I want to be there when you do. <laughs> I want to be there and I want to hear this conversation. <laughs> Cause I don't, I don't know if he's paid much attention uh, to the out. Cause I think he at least knew Zeke, was not a cowboy anymore, but um, but I don't know if he's followed closely enough to see you know where people are landing. I could tell you, I, I could tell you, my dad halfway doesn't pay attention. Like I think I am to him what you are to me when it comes to a lot of different uh, <laughs> in, in, in NFL news and sports news. So like, like it's it's a trickle down effect here. Like dad will basically be totally clueless. Like I think before last season, he had no dang clue that Russell Wilson was gone from seattle and all of these things and and um he 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 didn't even know because he was relatively following baker uh with cleveland just you know because he was like okay this should be interesting he didn't even know that baker wasn't in cleveland at the time (laughs) and then and then by the time we talked about last him last he had been through what two or three teams at like and he'd already been with Los Angeles for like a week and a half or something. Yeah. Um. So yeah. <laughs> I turn on the so, Seahawks game and there's this WVU quarterback up there. What the hell? Yeah, like, what, what, what in the world? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> oh boy, I I need to know. There there needs to be at some point in this after like in the reception there needs to be a football huddle and we just start sharing information. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, I'm sure saying. my buddy John will have some things. He's a Ravens fan, so I'm sure he'll have some um, uh, fun information to share. <laughs> I would think so. So the, you kind of landed this next question here. Does, does this signing make the offense and, I guess, therefore the team that much better? And I know that's a very <clears throat> ambiguous way of saying this, but you can't really quantify how much better. Like You can't go, oh. It makes this team from an 87 to an 88 overall in Madden. You can't say <laughs> that in the, in real life. Yeah. But does it make this team that much better? Does it make the offense that much better? What do we does this basically does this even matter? I, I think it I, I think the the main factor that that I take into account here is that Belichick has a way of even briefly so reviving players' careers, even just briefly. And most of the time, that's all that's needed. <laughs> or to make something out of a player didn't really expect them to be able to do, even if we knew they were good. There's just always something about it. When, like, when Martellus Bennett was with the team, we knew he was a good guy. He was a good player. We knew what he could do. But he was out there doing miraculous things that season. He, re- he revived the two tight end set. Yeah. And he had not been for a a pass interference, 
he probably would have caught the the only touchdown in the game. That 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 at that time, uh, one of the only touchdowns in the game at that time, and um, uh, sorry, wrong. Either way, he would have caught a touchdown. He didn't get a touchdown, but he would have caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl, and um, so he was out there making plays, getting open, and then afterwards he basically what he called it quits right after that, didn't he? I think he went back to Green Bay for a year, and then that's right. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And then left. Yeah. So, like, even it, it doesn't matter how long these players stay when when they're veteran players and they just come out of nowhere and sign with Patriots and like what the heck, they they get. I feel like you get some of their best selves when they come to New England because you're playing for Bill Belichick. That See, you got I, you got to prove that. It was a good decision for one of the best coaches of all time to sign you. I agree with that, but I'm also a little bit weary of this, and here's why. Because there are two names that stand out in my mind, and this may be – I had to reach back in my in the very depths of my memory for this. Remember before, like, the 2011 season, they signed Albert Hainsworth and Chad Ochocinco, like, the same day, right in the, like, late training camp? I remember Ochocinco. I don't remember Hainsworth, but – Hainsworth got cut like the next week. Yeah. He bombed. <clears throat> and Ocho Cinco didn't last long either. And the reason I thought that is because they were so late in the year, like in train like late in training camp. I'm like, um Yeah. Are these guys gonna have a chance to really get in on this? I mean, let's rem- <clears throat> the third preseason game is still the dress rehearsal. Yeah. Training camp ends tomorrow when they have that last one practice with the with the Packers. When they come home from that game in, in Lambeau, it may as well be the real season because you're preparing for it like it's a real game. Mm-hmm. I just wonder how fast Zeke is going to have a chance to really get up to speed here. If he's going to have a chance to get up to speed here, he's yeah. going to have it. You know, that's what I worry about. I'm, I'm inclined <laughs> to believe it's more like what you say, but I can't help but be a little bit concerned that what that memory brought back to me. Yeah. That's... So we know this. We, I'm with you. I think this does change a little bit for the team, but does it change anything in the AFC East? But you know what? Let's flip that. The Jets signed Dalvin Cook. Okay. We know that. The Dolphins, we think, are, I think the Dolphins are a crapshoot myself. Yeah. Uh, everyone else seems to be annoying them, the second best team in the division behind the Bills or the third behind the Jets. They're leaving the Patriots for dead, which, again, never a good move. Uh, <laughs> but the Bills are going to be great. I'm convinced of that. You are, too. Yep. The Jets, I'm, I still need to see Aaron Rodgers give a shit. Yeah. And I, I, I know everyone says he does, but I still need to see it in, in, in uh, like, October. I need to see it once the shine wears off and they're three and four. I need to see him care then. Mm-hmm. So. Does, does the signing of Dalvin Cook for the Jets and Zeke Elliott for the Patriots, what does that do in the grand scheme of the AFC slash AFC East? Does it really elevate either team? Does one, does one team have an advantage over the other one to be that playoff contender? Like, okay, the AFC is probably not getting all four teams. He's probably not getting all four teams in the playoffs. We might get th- three. So 
does the Patriots signing Zeke Elliott elevate him over the Jets or Dolphins for that third spot in the division? I I'm gonna say that neither signing really elevates either of them in terms of really competing with the Bills. Let's just be real here. This is still the Bills division to lose. Um, and I and I'll, I'll repeat uh, a hilarious um, a hilarious tweet I saw or or post something. I don't know. It probably wasn't a tweet because I stopped using Twitter. Um, but Actually, it might have been a Facebook comment. Either way, the the, po- the, the post was as, as – it was hilarious. It was um, right on the, the – to Dalvin Cook signing, and they said, wow, they're making all of, the, all of these roster changes to still lose out to the Bills in the division. And I believe that. I, I am – until proven otherwise, the Jets will Jets at any given moment. It doesn't matter what the roster like. It doesn't matter if they're playoff contenders. They will Jets when it matters the most. Because they're the Jets. There's a reason why they were Rex Ryan's traveling circus, and they've not really came out of that uh, joke since then. Nope. So I don't really care who they have. You could have all of the greats on that roster, and because the Jets' name is associated with it, they will fumble it exactly when they need need not to fumble it. <laughs> Here's the thing about the Jets for me. Yeah, they got Vandal Cobb and Alan Lazard and Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers. They basically got half the Packers from last year. But there's a lot of guys on that team that have never been around Aaron Rodgers in season. Don't know how to react mm-hmm. to it. <clears throat> that that can't be forgotten here. It it most assuredly will, but it should. Because let's face it, if you've got that many, I mean, the Bills are going to be, the Bills just, it's business as usual. It's still Josh Allen. It's still Sean McDermott. Yeah, this change in the defensive coordinator room. But outside of that, not much. The yeah. Dolphins, it's still Mike McDaniel. It's still Tua. It's still, you know, uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. It's still, they got, a, they got some dudes down there. The Patriots, it's still Mac Jones, Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. The Jets have made significant changes, and there's a lot of pressure. You don't know how guys are going to react to that. You just don't. So let's let's figure this out here for a second. I'm not saying the Jets will be awful like they have been. I'm saying maybe not run to the bank and put money down there and make the playoffs. Plus, they're also dealing with the fact that Nathaniel Hackett can't coach – a can't coach out of a wet paper bag. He certainly can't coach offense. That was apparent last it's, season. I'm glad you brought that up because it, like everyone, like oh, Aaron Rodgers, like oh, I love, I love being with with Nate. He's so great, and I'm like, did you forget that he didn't call plays in Green <laughs> Bay? That was Matt Lafleur, and he called plays in Denver last year, and it was a total crap show, mm-hmm. like. At what point are we going to mention that? He hasn't done this. He conveniently, well. he conveniently forgets it because one of EPs while he was with him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's the okay, that's the only thing is about, which is another reason why the Jets aren't any more of a threat than any to do anything successful because Rogers is only going to care about what he can do. 
and what what trophy he gets to mantle. I'm half convinced the reason he went there is because he he knows if he succeeds, he gets like the revive the Jets trophy for his for his <laughs> for his cabinet. He gets remembered for all time as the guy that revived the Jets. It's not about winning. Winning is a byproduct of what I can do for you. Mm-hmm. So with that, the Patriots did play a game last week. They lost to the Texans, twenty to nine. But and we agree that's not a big deal, so we're not gonna break down the game. But I am gonna ask you about Malik Cunningham, who stat line had three or four passing for 19 yards, no tutties, no interceptions. And rushing, he had five attempts for 34 yards, longest was run. He did have the rushing touchdown. So the question here is this: we assume it's going to be Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi one two. But it's Malik Cunningham and Trace McSorley probably fight for that practice squad slash third quarterback guy. Mm-hmm. Did, did Malik Cunningham do enough to to force himself towards making the team over Trace McSorley? Well, considering I don't know a dang thing Trace McSorley's done in any time frames uh, at all. He was, <laughs> he was one for three for four yards, and he had one rush for three yards. Well, based on that alone, sure. Um, I mean, it's obviously hard to say, but I feel like that um, it it obviously does not hurt him. Um, I, I, I feel like it'd be, I feel like it will be a, it won't be a third roster spot because I did the, I can't remember if they actually solidified this, if it was proposal, but didn't the NFL basically have something where you can have a third quarterback that's not, Counting for a roster slot, I, I think they did. I don't remember specifically. I, I don't remember if it went through, but I remember it being mentioned. Yeah, and but, they they and they did increase the practice squad size significantly. Yeah. So even if you do, even if what you're saying didn't pass, they could in theory keep mm-hmm. three or even four with, with an expanded practice squad. If they really felt like they if, if they if they really felt like they had to. Let me check real quick and see if. Uh, the bot. Oh, uh, let's see. CBS Sports. Um, actually, it was a few days ago. So, a little more than a hundred. Uh, no, hundred days before the regular season, the owners passed a bylaw that will have significant impact on the upcoming season. The bylaw will permit each team to field an emergency quarterback on game days that will not count against the team uh, account against the team's uh, active roster. Um. The chances they reduce the chances of a repeat of last year's NFC Championship game, um, and also the Patriots fiasco. Um, but of course, because it wasn't a championship game, it's not an important mention. Um, yeah, no one literally cares. <laughs> it happened but, in September. No one cares. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So that that looks like you'll be able to field an emergency quarterback and it not count. So really, it's. I think that's what really you're going. I, I think a lot of teams will vie to not put that third quarterback on the actual roster and then just utilize it if it needs to happen. And, and that will be effectively what these long shot quarterbacks for starting positions or anything will be vying for is that, hey, I can be that emergency quarterback. If Malik Cunningham ends up being that, he still gets paid good for him. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Although part of me doesn't wonder because he's kind of mobile. Mm-hmm. But with the rise of the mobile quarterback now, part of me doesn't wonder if he's going to get the practice squad position. And let's assume they keep Trace McSorley too. If McSorley ends up being that that third uh, non-roster guy and Cunningham gets to be the guy that runs the practice squad uh, emulating mobile quarterbacks. That would be, yeah, I feel like that would be the smart move. Because at this point, I'm still not convinced that uh, that in the actual system that they run, a mobile quarterback is the way the Patriots will go. I mean, they couldn't we do saw it. how that works. Yeah, they couldn't do it with a literal MVP quarterback. Uh, granted, yeah. he was also coming off of a Les Frank surgery. So, I mean, yeah. he still set franchise records, mind you. <laughs> yes, he stole the record books. But... It doesn't mean much. <laughs> no, no. Considering the previous quarterback, the, like the, the last twenty years, wasn't really a runner. Yeah, it's kind. So. Of, it's a low bar to set. Yeah. Uh. So, the other quarterback who started the game was C.J. Stroud of the Texans. He went two of four for thirteen yards. Did have an interception. Not that great. But even though it is a small sample size, like people were like kind of alarmed, but he struggled. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, this is not good. <clears throat> is, is it a big deal that he struggled? Or is it just I, I feel like welcome to the NFL? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that's exactly what I was gonna say. Is this is this is a rookie. These are rookies. A large part of these guys are rookies who have not played in the NFL at all. They have no idea what to expect coming in to even a preseason game. So to automatically assume that any player is going to be phenomenal or bad based off of a four-pass attempt outing and one interception, that of which I believe Jalen Mills picked off, if I recall properly, um, you know that's that's a lot to ask, and that's a lot to that's a lot to shoulder on a guy in a preseason game. You got picked off. By a veteran, uh, a veteran player who who is called the Green Goblin for a reason. So, you know, that's nothing to laugh at. That's nothing to laugh at. Now I know there were two turnovers in that game, but I don't remember if there were two interceptions and a fumble, or if it was or uh, an interception and a fumble, or two interceptions. But there was at least one interception that was Jalen Mills. I just cannot yes. explicitly recall if Stroud was on the field when that occurred. I don't. Well, uh, I don't think it was. I'll search through the events. Uh, Mills was at Stroud first. You see this full play-by-play here. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, Darren Ghost, that reminds you that this podcast is sponsored by no yeah. one. Yeah, that was uh, Stroud, uh, Stroud intercepted by Mills. Okay. At, so, like the first drive of the game. So you get you get picked off by a very good defend, veteran defender. <laughs> and, you know, that is what it is. It's also the preseason. None of these maps. It's just a, right. it's a perfect learning opportunity. <laughs> if I don't know who the Texans have week one, but the fact all we all this required of you is that you're ready to go week one. Mm-hmm. Like as long as you don't get picked off in that game, no one cares. Yeah. The 
Patriots take their traveling circus on the road this week to Lambeau Field, the home of the Green Bay Packers. Joint practices this week, and then a game on Saturday, conveniently starting after Darren's wedding. So, what are we expecting this week? What do we want to see? I, I want to say the same thing as last week. Just I want to see more grass from the offense. I want to see the development of leadership on the defense. <clears throat> I want to see make plays be made across the board. That's what I want to see. Just a continual mm-hmm. evolution from week one to week two. That's yep. what I want to see. If everybody who could stand to get a little more comfortable, everyone who needs to get that rust off just a little bit more, let's see it. Let's see what they the, – you know, Grand uh, – Again, preseason game, very little prep, but let's see what each of these guys learned from the week before and just go with it. And, you know, let's just see what Zeke looks like in a Pats pass uniform. Maybe he'll get a couple runs. He should. So, yeah. But pretty much all that, exactly what you expect out of a preseason game. Make the mistakes now, learn from them. Let's Don't make go. them in October. Don't make them exactly. <clears throat> so in this game, we expect Jordan Love to play a little bit more than he did last week. I don't even know if he played last week, uh, but uh, we expect him to play a good bit. And so he is, of course, the next in line after Aaron Rodgers bailed on the Packers. And th- the question I think of is, and this is going to be asked not just by me but by everyone. Mm-hmm. The Packers really went from Favre to Rodgers and had like 25 years of sustained excellence at quarterback. Is Jordan Love the next in that line? Or is was it what I think is simply stop putting this pressure on the kid as surely as hell? Oh, absolutely. That's it's you're following up two well, franchise legendary legends and literal NFL legends at this point is much as it sucks to say that about Aaron Rodgers, I mean, again, he's the things that he has done, he has done, and he has done well. Um, and obviously, Brett Favre. Um, but to sit there and go, oh, listen here, you, you've got to be as good as them. You've got to be like that is no one should be whispering that into the ears of a guy who's following them up. Um, you want to take what you've learned sitting behind. Rogers, obviously you never sat behind Favre, but and apply that to your game and do your best to lead the franchise in your way now as a quarterback. Because that, that's what you can't emulate either of these two guys. You can only take bits and pieces that you learned from them or from at least, you know, one of them and use it to make your game better. And as long as you've got the mindset of this, I'm going. We're going to take. We're going to keep this franchise going. When you know, I think that's that's the thing. The mindset with it all, um, because there, there shouldn't be that pressure on these guys, especially when you don't really have that much professional tape of Jordan Love. He's got one start. So in Kansas City on the road, Sunday night football. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the definition of trial by fire. Yeah. That is absolutely the worst possible scenario you could have thrown this guy in. And that's just how it had to have been. So you get a feel, you you, you see really how how he's now everything coming out of training camp is saying that he's he's getting the command down. He's he is 
he's getting that leadership experience and you know he's not taking anything lightly and that is good to hear um but does will that translate in an actual game we'll see um but to, to automatically expect that any any player following up a franchise legend or multiple franchise legends in this case is immediately going to fill those shoes just naive that's to be fair, word for it. That's the perfect word for it. I mean, it, it really is. It's the perfect word for it. Like I'm not, with you. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, was, um, it, just not everybody gets to be in that scenario. The, no. the, you had the 49ers back to back legends. You had the the Packers back to back legend. You just you, you, not everyone gets the chance to have one legend, let alone two right, right after each other. We hope we've got Patri- the Patriots going back-to-back legends with some in between. Mm-hmm. We hope. Yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> I, I'm with you. I think it's... I think he's got potential. I like the fact that he has a grasp of the offense. He should. I mean, he's been in it for three years. But at the same time... I also think he's a little more mobile than Aaron Rodgers, and that could open up a lot more things for what Matt LaFleur would want to do and how they would want to run things. It would add another wrinkle that Aaron Rodgers just didn't have. Mm-hmm. And for now, while you can exploit that, do it. Because we all know once he gets some mileage on those legs, it's going to go. Yeah. It's just a matter of when, not if. So get do it now. And I really think they've got a chance to, although I will also counter that fact that he wasn't playing for three years, for two or three years. He's got a chance now to like, hey, I got less mileage on me than a kid my age. Let's go. Yeah. That that can't be ignored. Exactly. Let's move on. Now, you mentioned the 49ers, and they named Brock Purdy the starting quarterback. Uh, Sam Darnold... And Trey Lance will be fighting for it. Sam Darnold actually probably won that job as, as a backup. Trey Lance, if you believe some people, the 49ers want to move on from him. Uh, if you believe others, they just were like, yeah, he's not, he doesn't have it. There's no way. So uh, I don't think either of us are truly surprised that Brock Purdy got named starter, right? I, I think we all kind of assumed that once he was healthy, he was going to get that job back. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I was fully of the assumption that that was the case. I think I said it from the very end of that of their season um, that so. if you don't give him the job at the beginning of, the, of next season, leave. The, you should be fired. <laughs> I do believe that, yes. Okay, so with that, what the hell happened to Trey Lance? I mean, let's think about this. The 49ers literally are the, are of the belief that Sam freaking Darnold is a better backup option than this kid. <laughs> what uh, the hell happened to him? The only thing I've really got is that, like, he, that injury has affected his ability to be what they saw or knew he, was, he could be, well, when they drafted him. I mean, they picked him over Garoppolo to start last season. So that says how highly they thought of him going into it and how far they thought he 
he could take them. But, um, you know, two games, season in, uh, ankle injury, uh, a season-ending ankle injury, and that, like, he had to have surgery, another surgery in January to remove the hardware because it was causing irritation. So I, I, I just have to imagine that it's just been that setback that no one wants to have and he's not yet overcome it. And Brock Purdy has come in and, and polished it off as if he was never injured. Um, so well, you, some people have said that he just can't play in the offense. Like he's just not Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan's guy. And they figured that out fairly early and they figured out Brock Purdy was. It, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't disbelieve it. Um, Cause I mean, even in 2021, when he played a little, like he, there wasn't a whole lot to go by. I mean, he did all right, you know, but I think what to he be played. Fair, like, I, I think you and I could play for Kyle Shanahan because it's a run-heavy offense. All we gotta do is hand the ball off. Yeah, like you've got Christian McCaffrey back there. Just turn around and don't get killed. <laughs> exactly. But I, 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 I feel vindicated because I was never high on Trey Lance anyway, mm-hmm. and I hate to be feel vindicated off an injury. I really do, but at the same time, it's like, dude. I, I called it like he's not he's not that great. He had too much to polish off when it came in the NFL. He had too much work to do and it just never caught up. Yeah. And and that happens. I mean you can't you can't I you can't hold that against him because he couldn't control what he did at, at North Dakota State, but at the same time it's like Actually, you know what, if I recall, didn't he leave early from NDSU? I think so. So he could have gotten himself another year in front of NFL scouts and improved just and improved and he didn't. He double check it. Yeah, he played 18, 19, 20. Okay. So yeah, he could have, but he didn't. Wouldn't it be wishes he had now? Probably would have another national championship ring. At Dakota State. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, it's just you gotta. That's just how it goes. Yeah, and that's that's Cause, it, injuries are part of it. Yeah. We all know that. Yep. I mean, like literally. I I don't know if anyone really. I don't recall anyone really understanding why they picked him so high anyway when they did, because he had one full season and one. He has seventeen games. Seventeen games in college. That's it. And they would, and they decided they were going to pick him as as a what as early as they did, and traded up to get him too. Yeah, mistake if you ask me. But I, but you're right. A lot of people were surprised. I know we were. Mm-hmm. I know we sat here and were like, um, what? But. <clears throat> We're not in the we're not John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. We're not in that room making decisions. So what the hell do we know? <laughs> to be fair though, this is the one blip the Niners have, have had. That's still pretty damn good. Because they've proven they can put together a roster that can win. Yeah. Unfortunately, your your one blip is at the most important position in the sport 
and you wasted a first round pick. Mm-hmm. Speaking of waste, uh, Oliver Luck has wasted his time and then what little money the Pac-12 has left because the Pac-12 hired him to help out with expansion. Now, this seems a day late the dollar short, if you ask me. But I want to know what you think. I mean, it really is that. It's it's why even bother when you've got, what, four teams yes, that have four. not really technically confirmed to leave or if they have or want to leave, they don't. no one wants them. Um, so I think it's it, it all of the luck must just be really good at convincing people to give him their money. I feel like that's the only that's the only thing that comes out of that is, hey, give me your money and I'll, let's see what we can do. I think that's how I got him in the Big 12. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's how it happens. Like, you know what? Hey, look, um, the Big 10 won't take us to the ACC. Hey, how about you guys? Okay, cool. Well, I guess we added West Virginia. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, that's really all all it is to me. And that's and that's not to say Oliver Luck isn't generally good at what, he's, what he does. It's just a, I don't think this is anything anyone can save. No, it's a lost and cause. At this point, it literally is just, well, you're offering to pay me money, so I'm not going to not take it. Right. Like, <laughs> here's what you should do. Here's what you should do. Take that check to the bank, deposit it, and then come back and like, look, I did some I did some uh, figuring. Just rode to the Mountain West. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> like, really? We paid you to tell us what we were already considering? Well, hey, you decided to pay me. That's your <laughs> fault, <laughs> not mine. <laughs> You're the one that called. You're the one that called, man. I pick up the phone. <laughs> But yeah, they really should mean because here's the thing: Oregon, uh, uh, Cal, and Stanford wanted to go to the ACC. The ACC doesn't does not want them, and we'll get to the ACC in a second. Washington State and Missouri and uh, Oregon State are just like, um, what? Like the other two schools in our respective states left. We're just sitting here, like, yeah, no one wants us. There was a report that said the Pac-12 called the Big 12 and said, can you take all of us except Oregon State and Washington State? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine being left to, to die by your own conference. That's how much these schools aren't wanted. Yeah. A dying conference doesn't even want them. Uh... It should be Kings of the Mountain West, though. Should be. Should be. Although I think UNLV is poised for a really good uh, resurgence. And San Diego State's always pretty good. Here's the thing. What does the Pac-12 think it stands to gain? It's not going to take all the Mountain West. And it can't get – even if it doubles in size to eight, it's still the smallest conference by far in America. Mm-hmm. What do you – like, everyone's going bigger. You can't – no. There, there's no way forward. At least from the Big 12, uh, it, it got back to 12 for a while, and it was an 8, but it knew what it wanted to do. You sat around and waited too long. No. It just won't work. Exactly. 
Speaking of the ACC, Florida State wants to leave, allegedly. Uh, they wanted to leave, allegedly, before next year, but that deadline has passed to make it a announce a decision. So now they'll look at 2025. The AC, they would have to pay a hefty sum of money to get, to get out of the ACC, but I guess in theory, if they think it's worth it, they'll do it. Uh, so the SEC, the SEC is where they want to go. The SEC is kind of like, well, we're good. <laughs> so should Florida State leave the ACC? Should the SEC take them? And then if Florida State goes, should Clemson follow? <clears throat> That's the first part of this, and there are more questions after that, but let's just kind of tackle those three right now. Um, my first thought is Florida State's already been struggling recently. Ten wins last year. But they, they've, they've, not, they've not been extremely consistent. Right? There was a few years where they were – Pretty much atrocious. Okay, that's true. Recently, but you know, obviously, it's back and forth. But I, I don't see what they stand to gain other than money, other than the general blanket. You mean there's something else other than money, money in this decision? Yeah, like I, I, like I, why would the SEC want to pay them? And just like. They'd get obliterated for one. I mean, let's just be real. They'd get obliterated. Um, but I, I just don't. I don't really see a need for them to be leaving. Um, and Clemson. On the same note, I. Why follow them? Because plus Clemson knows if FSU leaves, the ACC is dead. Because tell me, what other schools besides Clemson and Florida State are relevant in football in the ACC? None. Hmm. Hmm. It's good. It's good, but it's not enough to carry a conference. Yeah. If I mean, FSU leads, the first thing that ACC should do was to call Notre Dame and say, look, you're going to have to go to a conference anyway. You can't be independent now. There's no way. Everyone else is going to have so many games on their conference schedule. You mm-hmm. have to join the league. You're already a member in everything but football. Just add <clears throat> football to the ACC and come on over. That could save you. If, if, if FSU leaves, that could be the move that saves the ACC. You have to add one more probably to make it. Well, actually, no, you wouldn't because you have Notre Dame. Anyway, but you, you have to do that. But if they don't, Clemson's a, it's, in a, it's in a dying conference. There's nothing to hold it up. Wake Forest is a cool story every now and again, but they're not going to hold up. Uh, Pitt is good, but they're never like Pitt comes in ranked at, like 17, the highest they've ever been. Like recently, they did. They're, they're not a top 15 team. They're just not. Uh, name the other school in the ACC that's good in football. I'll wait. Can't do it, can you? <laughs> no. So, there you uh, go. Uh, there you go. It's I mean, just like, a big mess, all it is. Yeah, really. It's yeah. a big mess. The V12 says they're done expanding for now. 
So here's the thing. If FSU bolts and Clemson does and the ACC falls apart, the first call, uh, E. Gordon Gee, whoever the hell is president of West Virginia University at that time, should should uh, should make is to call the Big 12 office and says, hey, get that school up north. Because here's the thing. <clears throat> you would almost have like a free school pod like you do in, in like with Colorado, Utah, and BYU. It would be West Virginia, Pitt, and Cincinnati. You're doing this me I'm sneezing all day. <laughs> Second time this show. And we've only been recording for an hour. Anyway, the first call WBU should make is like, look, you owe us a thing or two for making us having to go to like freaking Arizona State and Utah. Get pit. And we'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. They won't, but they should. <clears throat> you can sell it as a Pittsburgh TV market. Like, look, I know it's not the Steelers, but someone's bound to care, right? Maybe. Yeah. Some someone. You get that solitary person in, in Pittsburgh that doesn't have anything to do on a Saturday like Oh, I guess I lost Pitt. Okay. Who are they playing? God if I know. <laughs> Syracuse. Oh, cool. It's 10 to 7 in the fourth quarter. With three minutes to go. <laughs> <coughs> anyway. So I am with you. I don't think I. If FSU wants to leave, fine, but I think it would be a mistake. They could run the ACC with Clemson. They ain't running shit in the SEC. Except except helping someone run the score up on them. Because you know, the first time Georgia waltzes into Tallahassee, it's going to be a blowout. You know it. Absolutely. And then when Alabama comes to town, oh, God. Saban's going to run him over in five seconds. No doubt. No doubt. So, with that, we're approaching the end of the show. Let's talk about what we learned this week. I'll go first. I learned how bad the New York Yankees are. And I say this because they got swept by the Braves. Yay. Uh, They didn't score a run the last two games. And they are now 60-61 and 61 with 41 games to play in the season. They have not been below 500 this late in the season since September 5th, 1995. They can't hit. And by the looks of it, they can't pitch much either. So, uh, yeah, the Yankees are bad. Aaron Boone should be fired. Brian Cashman should be fired. And I take great joy in the fact that both of them are still employed. The fact the Yankees have shown no interest in getting their act together at all. I love this. <laughs> I love this. And I hope George Steinbrenner is rolling over in his damn grave at this because I know he would have fired everyone in that organization is at how bad this team is going. I know it. And I love the fact that they're not. This is a thing. I, I firmly believe this. I truly believe that GM Brian Cashman, has, who was the GM for the 2009 World Series scene, has pretty much coasted on that since then. I truly believe that. So I'm like, okay, all right, all right. They're just going to put together a subpar baseball team 
And then when you get to the – and this is the thing. Aaron Boone should not be the manager of the New York Yankees. It should still be Joe Girardi. In 2017, the year the Astros were confirmed as cheating, the Yankees lost a Game 7 on the road in the American League Championship Series with one game from the World Series with Joe Girardi at the helm. They fired him after that year like, look, no one knew the Astros were cheating at that point. It was just all like, okay, whatever. But looking back now, I'm like, so let me get this straight. You haven't been to the ALCS in years after winning the World Series. And then you get there, and all of a sudden, you fire the guy that took you there. And then you find out later that you lost that you lost to a team that was cheating. Okay, I'm not saying you can walk it back and go hire Joe Girardi back. The very least you can do is acknowledge Aaron Boone shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Not throw your not throw your entire support behind one of your own. Like I'm sorry, but I don't give a shit that he hit a home run in the in 2004 against the Red Sox in the playoffs. I don't care. Like. If Chipper Jones, well, actually, I can't say that. If Chipper Jones managed to base, he would be almost unfireable. And if they did, I would probably hate the organization. So I can't say that. <laughs> I can't make that comparison. But uh, I don't like Aaron Boone as a manager. He's an okay broadcaster. He was likable. He's got a good speaking <laughs> voice. But it's like when your entire argument, when you step out of the dugout and argue with an umpire, that's my guys are savages and therefore you should give them the call. If that's <laughs> your entire argument, I have no respect for you. If you see this team is faltering, Brian Cashman, GM, and you don't go out and all you do is get out is get two fledgling borderline minor league relievers, what the hell? You are the New York Yankees. You spend money. That's what you do. I don't know what this organization is thinking. I am loving it. But at the same time, it's like, I I just, I, I, I don't understand it. Because every other organization that has some semblance of common sense in it would be like, this team is failing, we need to do a whole entire reset, and we need to figure this out. The Yankees, in their infinite pride, are too have too much pride to admit they're doing something wrong and would rather wait it out saying, we are the New York Yankees, we will figure it out. It's August 17th, you're running out of time. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Like, come on. I love that. Now, granted, the Atlanta Braves have always been considered a fairly well-run organization. They've always had a plan. They've always known what the team was about, and they've always done it. So it's not like I've been rooting for a team that has been considered like a half-rate organization. But I've always heard how great the Yankees are. The Yankees are always good. They're always, like, it's the Yankees, man, and I'm like, so damn what? They're an average baseball team. They're, in fact, now below average by every definition of the word. Mm-hmm. This is not a good team, and we should stop, we should stop winning on them. To, during, they were on TV against the Braves on Tuesday night, and everyone was like, the Yankees seem like the kind of team that could get it together and start on like a, like a big role, and I'm like, what Yankees are you watching? This team can't do that. No. It, it, if Aaron Judge strikes out, this team's done. He has to go four for four every night and hope someone else gets on base in front of him. No. This team can't do that. I'm sorry, but no. I love it. But 
God, there's something wrong up there. The entirety of New York baseball is a gigantic mess. Maybe if you had some guys that had some semblance of common sense in your organization and not some old manners. I mean, Brian Cashman, I don't know how old he is, but he dressed like he's 80. Just just saying. Um, but, like, come on. Make, make moves to make this team better. But also, thank God, thank you so much for not. Because you have provided me with an endless amount of laughter and joy. <laughs> but still, that's almost their election of duty. And yet only, they'll fire the manager. They'll fire Aaron Burns. They will not fire the GM. And if there's any indication, the GM, he, he built a, like, the Yankees were good last year. In the first half, then they collapsed in the second half of the season and finished outside of the American. They were on pace to be, like, the best team in baseball history until the All-Star break last year. Then they kind of fell off the face of the earth. The only thing saving last year from have, and having a good taste in Yankees fans' mouth was Aaron Judge hitting 62 home runs. That's it. Which is still a gigantic number. But th- th- this is not last year. Baseball has changed. It's more contact-driven. It's not as home-run-driven. Mm-hmm. Braves hit a lot of home runs. The Braves have like mm-hmm. 45 home runs more than the second-best team in baseball. Jeez. But they can also manufacture he can. Ah, there we go. Yeah. Yankees can't. So that's a problem. It's a very big problem. And they're not built for 2023. And unless something changes, they're going to keep struggling. But that's what I learned this week. <laughs> How about you, Mr. I have a wedding this week and probably haven't taken any look at what's happening in the real world. <laughs> Um, other than other than some very ironic things that I probably won't get in and I shouldn't get into here, I I honestly have not found anything that uh interesting this week. To be to be to be totally honest. Okay, I'll let you off the hook this week, but when we come in for next week, you've got to tell a weird story about your wedding, in addition <laughs> to what you learned. In the past week, okay, I'm gonna there. give you. I'm gonna give you an assignment. You better do it. <laughs> but I also have to have a uh, have a caveat. If the story involves me embarrassing myself, no. <laughs> I'm setting limits, and it's important to set boundaries. <laughs> yes, that that is. So the next time you speak to us, will you hear from us? Uh, you speak to us, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um, next time you hear from us, Jim will be a married man. And I will, in fact, be met up next week. Uh, I will be a little bit poorer, but you know what? I will be richer for the experience. So <laughs> that will be it. But this has been season four episode. This uh, is this episode three or four? I think yeah, three. I believe three. Yeah, I have three, but I didn't. I, I couldn't remember if I changed it or not. Episode three of the Scientific Ocean Podcast for the newly to be to be newly to be married. I gotta find a better way to say that, Darren. 
I am Lucas. Thank you so much for listening, Darren. Take us home. Adios, everybody.